This episode has been brought to you by one of our patrons, Sean. If you'd like your name shouted out, head over to patreon.com slash powerplaythrough today. You have the power. Return of Power Play, your rage review podcast. We are coming to you from the privacy of our own homes on opposite ends of Las Vegas, Nevada. From the Ranger Room, I am one of your hosts. And since it's been a while and you've forgotten my name, it's Dan. And from the shining lights of his lightning collection lair is my co host, <laughs> Freddie. <laughs> yes, yes, that's, the bu- that's one of the bugs that got me. Yeah, you got that lightning, lightning collection, but That lightning collection. Yep. You know, it's okay. It's all right. It's not as bad as, like, you know, I thought it was going to be because they're pretty much... They're, I don't want to say they're not in high demand, but they're not in high demand. You know, like, they're... They, as cool as they are, it's, you know, the Ranger... If it's not if it's not Mighty Morphin, you know, those Ranger figures are... Yeah, good chance they'll sit there. Yeah. Well, Lord Draken... You can't find him anywhere. No, Lord Dragon, that's true. Lord Dragon, I can't find. Yeah, and I have a feeling that Ranger Slayer is going to be the same exact way. Most likely. And that's going to suck, but... But we did just get emails from Hasbro Hasbro Pulse that she's been pushed back to July 31st. Mm. So that gives you some time. Gives them some time. All right. Yeah. (laughs) So... We're back, and we thought, hey, everyone's in quarantine, and they haven't heard our voices, so let's do some PP in quarantine. Yeah, that's either to, that's either a boon or to their detriment. I don't know. Yeah. I think that you need us in your life a little bit, and we've been gone a while, and everybody deserves an explanation, right? Well, yeah, it's fair. It's fair. It's my fault. I left to go to Japan for a little bit. I came back and then just got depressed. It wasn't the, like, I'm not on vacation anymore depressed. Yeah. It was that real, like, what am I doing with my life depressed? Yeah. Fell in that deep hole. Fell out of love with everything. I sold 80% of my belongings. Basically avoided hanging out with everyone for everything. Except for, like when I needed to be there because otherwise it would start to look weird mm-hmm. and make it look like I was going to do something drastic. I wasn't, nothing to worry about, but I couldn't produce the show anymore. I couldn't think, I couldn't be here, and I couldn't talk about Power Rangers or Super Sentai and like put on any kind of brave face every week Yeah, and then spend hours and hours editing the show. And uh, when your producer can't do that, you can't have a show, right? Yes, I, th- I think that's been illustrated. <laughs> yeah, if uh, yeah. if I was just if I was just a host and somebody else was producing it, Freddie could have found somebody else and gone along, and you'd be well within the reaches of Turbo or in space at this point. That wouldn't have been right, though. That wouldn't have been right. Uh, it's okay, <laughs> but. Uh, we disappeared, and if any of us disappearing on you, 
was very upsetting. It's completely my fault, and I'm sorry. I'm in a better place right now, which is really weird because we're in quarantine. Mm -hmm. Because, like, a lot of people around me, my family specifically, are breaking down about having to be home all the time. Yeah. And I am fucking thriving. It's interesting. (laughs) It's real interesting because I consider myself uh, an extrovert. I really do. But somehow I'm okay with this. And, like, the main thing is miss the homies, right? Miss my people. Miss my friends, all that. Miss giving kisses, all that stuff. I got to tell you, our weekly wrestling call, I'm loving it. Yeah, yeah. There's, as I was telling someone not too long ago, that we're living in an age, obviously, I'm speaking of a point of some degree of privilege here, you know, having internet, having, you know, having uh, subscription services, or having, knowing people that have subscription services and using their passwords or whatever, right? Like, obviously, there's a level of privilege with that you know, to be speaking this way. But um, that aside, not speaking for people without it, uh, that aside, this is, like, the best era we could be in as as humans with, like, everything that is at our fingertips. Everything can be ordered. Everything can be brought to our homes. You know, food. We, um... You know, like, for example, I just ordered, <laughs> I mean, two two Lightning Collection figures, right? You know, like this, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, there's going to be delays. Yeah, there's going to be uh, other things due to the, the current global crisis that is going on. But for the most part, this is the best timing we could have had for this. And yeah. something like this was always going to happen at some point. You know, this is going to happen. And right now, it's pretty pretty fortunate that we as far as from a for our mental states that we are in a we're in a place where we can where we have access to all these things to keep our minds occupied and keep ourselves from like you know melting you know we still have ability to socially connect even though we can't be physically near each other so it's so so there's a lot of there's a lot of tools for us and i wanted to touch on on you saying uh you first off you know that's this absolutely your business. I know about your business, but obviously, you know, that's your that's yours to tell about where you've been and all that. But I think I speak for anyone listening that you don't owe anyone an apology. You know, you always got to take care of yourself from a like a formal business standpoint. I understand that apology, though, and it's also like acknowledged and, you know, I'm sure accepted by any, anyone listening as well. So. Yeah. But we left without a trace. We left without like, a trace. <laughs> you made you made a tweet. Yeah. About four weeks into my like hole. Yeah, yeah. And that's about it. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a situation where you don't want to, you know, like I said, it's your business, so I don't want to d- divulge anything that isn't divulged by the man himself. And it's kind of just like, hey, hold tight, you know, we'll we'll give you something when we have something. Yeah. And. We tried coming back, like, once before, but honestly, the recording was shite, because uh, sometimes Discord fucks up. Sometimes Discord fucks up. This is true. And uh, I couldn't fix those recordings. So. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I said, we'll give you something when we got something. We got something now. We're here. We got something right now. The pee-pee boys uh, are fucking back in town. Yeah, we're back in town. So. We're back. We're committed to bringing you new episodes every week. 
right? And uh, if you're new here, welcome. Welcome to our house. Yes. We love you. Come sit. on in. Take a take a seat. Sit down. Grab a drink. Grab yourself a Coke garlic <laughs> out of the fridge. And let's talk about Power Rangers. Uh, if you're returning, thank you for your patience. We yeah. uh, really appreciate your support, and we love you. Yes, you so, are real ones. Yes. Kisses to pieces. Thank you so much. Um, today's episode, we're going to be talking about Choriki Sentai O-Ranger, episode 26, the 600 million year old boy warrior. What a fucking title. Mm. <laughs> right? Yes. This episode originally aired August 25th, 1995, written by Noboro Sugimura and directed by Yoshiaki uh, Kobayashi. Right? Yeah, so I thought, we haven't done this in so long, my mind kind of like pieced together memories, and I thought we were going to watch the episode where we saw what future food looked like, but that's a different series. <laughs> um, yeah, that was Kaku Ranger, my Yes, dude. that was Kaku Ranger, and so, yeah, I just want to, I just, but I don't know what I'm saying here, I guess you remember future food and what there is to look for? Look forward to, maybe maybe this maybe that's like a quarantine thing. Maybe after this pandemic, we switch over to that future food. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like now we're living in, uh, in my home. Yeah. Uh, I live with uh, my father, who hmm. doesn't want anything brought in from the outside unless it's from the grocery store. Yeah. And I thrive on curry and i'm the only person in this house that eats it mm -hmm. so i sneak out like once every two weeks to order from my local curry restaurant and eat it like a desperate person in my car <laughs> so there's no trace of the outside curry but. yes yeah so that there's no thought of any chance of me coming in with that rona yeah 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 but uh if we go to just paste food, mm -hmm. you know what? Actually, I might be fine because curry's just a sauce. Yeah. <laughs> I take back everything I was uh, going to say. Yeah. <laughs> Your love. I was thinking about rice and the chicken and all of that, but yeah. like, I could eat that as a sauce, too. You could just mix yeah. it all in. I mean, really, if you had chicken as a sauce, who fucking cares? I'm like, not really. Like, like you, just, you, just chew, you just chewing on it till it becomes sauce. Yeah. Like just just start with the sauce. Just start with the sauce. You can still chew on sauce, by the way. Is yeah. there's no say there's n there's nothing there's nothing dictated here. There's nothing set in stone that this sauce has to be like watery consistency. This could be some good chunky sauce. Chunky yeah, sauce it could exists. Be. You could know, be this like thing? a nice salsa. Yeah, a salsa. <laughs> like the the texture could be you know whatever you want. It's sauce. It's completely malleable. Yeah. Um. <sighs> Don't fear the yeah, future. I'm, I've been thinking about stuff like that a lot, too, because, again, spending a lot of time with my father, who's one probably one of the weirdest men alive, uh, he cannot eat food unless it's, like, hot, 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 right? Like so hot we, in spiciness or temperature? Temperature. Okay. So it was Cinco de Mayo the other day. The, we recorded this a long time ago, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when you're hearing it. When, whenever the new song's done, yeah. uh, 
and we were having tacos, obviously, white people. Yeah. And my dad would continue to take the meat and throw it in the microwave to heat it up. And at this point, I had just finished uh, my little session on Twitch, and I came down, and I was working it, and he goes, and he, in the middle of me making a taco, he pulls all the meat and throws it into the, the microwave, and I go, what are you doing? And he goes, well, it needs to be hot. And I go, look, man, I'm just hungry. I don't care if it's cold. Yeah. Just leave it in front of me and let me fucking eat the food. Yeah. Cold taco is absolutely fine. Food has to be hot. I go, listen, I'm not not a weirdo about food like you. Or maybe I'm a weirdo about food in a different way. Yeah. But if I'm hungry, I'll just eat it. I don't care about the temperature or the texture or anything. I just care that it goes into me and it tastes good. See, that's, that's how you're a weirdo with food. Yeah. It just has to taste good. Don't care if the, the consistency, texture, temperature doesn't match up with what you're having. Yeah. Give him some give my boy some pasty hot hot ice cream. If it tastes How? good. <laughs> if it tastes good. I mean, he'll have if you it. Were, one time Freddie and I were at a Denny's in uh California somewhere. <laughs> it was a road trip. It was very late. So Barstow? Were you in Barstow? Oh, it was Barstow. Yeah. And I ordered a milkshake, and the woman came to me and said, our ice cream is very melted. I made it for you anyway, but I don't know what you're doing. I don't know if you're going to want this. And I took a sip of it and said, it's just a thick milk. It's fine. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, you you know, I can, I can, I can feel you on that, though, with the milkshake. You're already walking like a thin line there. As it is yeah. with a milkshake. Can you really can you really put up that much of a fucking fuss if your milkshake's a little runny? I don't well, understand some... these psychopaths that want like a brick hard milkshake. You can't yeah, do anything uh, with it for forty five minutes. Shake Shack, they call their milkshake a fucking concrete. Mm. I don't want that. No. Give me a thick milk any day. Yeah. Yeah. It's just you can't do anything with the fucking concrete. And it's like you just... What are you supposed to do with that? Give me a spoon. Yeah. Mm. It's just ice cream in a cup at that point. Yeah. Well, this episode begins with an Independence Day-style showing of a ship flying by. And we see the inside of the ship with, like, a weird green lizard walking around in two beds with two very ornately dressed children lying on beds. (laughs) <laughs> yeah space beds are future yeah they're not really space beds they're like space slabs yeah which are Over... beds in the future just slabs yes a voiceover on the loudspeaker of this ship with only two sleeping children on it states that they're about to enter the dimensional hole and we see a pyramid ship enter our atmosphere um, I like that you said in the future. Yeah, I, because I know these are six hundred million year old children. Well, it's like you—I don't know. It's, maybe it's the time and cylindrical thing. I don't know, you keep it's it's you, it's like it's like Star Wars, man. It was time. This happened a long, long time ago. So long ago that it was future. Yeah, yeah. Or you could go with good place logic, where time is. A Jeremy Barramy. 
I haven't watched a good place. So did Jeremy uh, Barami just kind of blew my mind. It's it's if you write the name Jeremy Barami in cursive. Yeah. And all of the lines are connected. That's the flow so, of time. Yeah. And it kind of goes back and forth and all of that. So you never really know where you are in the t- in time. You're somewhere in a Jeremy Barami. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Well, at Woe Base, mm. uh, we see all... I was expecting you to do the thing. No, not yet. Or, okay. I, mean, I don't know. It's I'm, I'm, I'm out of practice, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, at Woe Base, we see all of the alerts going off as Chief Mira looks at his, like, ancient enemy screen, or whatever that is. Yeah, it's like the, uh, it's just like the codex on... Yeah, when he's looking at the screen, he sees a pyramid with the kanji for king, and he's like, Ricky. Hmm. So the O-Ranger are back there in Woe Command, tracking this UFO as it descends upon Earth. But we cut to it coming into 90s Japan, and it's just like a shadowy pyramid building with some lights on it akin to the Luxor Hotel right here in Vegas. Yes, yes. It's kind of yeah. like a like a... It's like a art installation or something. And I want to know if that's actually there. Or if it I, was there. If that was just something like, like you know, uh, for I, bu- budget's sake, they found an art installation that was a pyramid. Well, I think that they probably put it there Yeah. for that point. Um, a lot of the Toei shooting areas are in Kyoto, not in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have no idea where that would have been like the only places I've been in Kyoto are like temples and things like that. And they're like one downtown shopping district where the Pokemon center is. So they and that's s- about it. So they set that up, but you could touch it for like two weeks. They yeah. Just, however just, long they were shooting. Yeah. They just got a film at night and they did like one day shot with it, but you know, like it, it was there for two weeks and you could touch it. Yeah. yeah. Come up. Something picture, like that. Yeah. Picture with it. You know, there's probably like one, one security guard on site. Yeah, something like that. Well, I mean, don't deface. They it. don't really. They don't really deface stuff like that in Japan. So, they oh. could have honestly just left it, and well, it would have been fine. Couldn't like the, the 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 street bike gangs like could have come through and like fuck things up. You know that could have happened. So you need that to have, have you need to have some kind of security, uh, some <laughs> some some security men from uh, Toho. Watching over okay. that shit. But so, the, go on. when the pyramid landed, it really made me think about the Luxor. And of then course. I thought about back when I was nine. Of course. And I thought about how the Luxor definitely had to be pyramidus. See, I don't know if you were on that mindset. See, now, like, the Luxor, I think... Out of all the all the people in our age bracket that have lived in Vegas, as long as we've lived in Vegas, um, the Luxor has the most like purchase in your mind when it went up. Yeah, I like I don't I don't know like I mean New York New York was kind of like you know you know that's cool kids you like you wanted to check it out because it had a roller coaster but when the Luxor went up man. And like the whole the the obelisk of light at the top of it, and all that. like it was definitely something uh, for a young mind. It was extremely grand. So well, they also used to have the 
ride inside of there. And I, yeah, with the the canal ride, and they had yes. the the talking camels. You know, I believe they and were the, uh, AIs. And they had the first IMAX ride theater in the state there. And they had that motherfucking Sega arcade, and that was the first place I played the Jurassic Park game for Genesis. Hmm. Sega arcade was lit. That was the best arcade in town. Now that place is a bathroom. Now that place is a bathroom. Right next to the, like, the Titanic exhibit, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it really sucks. But, the Luxor, going back to it, uh, just talking about, like, it's kind of, like, draw or pull it had or whatever. It was just that kind of, it was just perfect for a child's mind to really latch onto and, like, run wild with, you know? I mean, you could say the same thing probably with, like, Excalibur, but Excalibur was up, you know, I believe Excalibur like a was year up before be- I moved here. Yeah, yeah, Excalibur. And I moved here in 1992. Yeah, Excalibur was like eight. I want to say like 87, something like that. I believe it was late 80s when Excalibur went up. And that's another high. That's another place, you know, it's high fantasy med- medieval shit. And that's a place that I could definitely capture. But it was old news at that point. You know, we've been here. Luxor yeah. though. Luxor came out fucking sh- like sleek. Black, you know, volcanic glass sides, you know, and all that. And you go inside and you get, well, I have a fear of heights, so maybe this isn't the same for everyone. But you go inside, you look straight up, you have vertigo, and you nearly fall over. Because it's, it's a, you know, it's a fucking pyramid. So when you're inside a pyramid, you're just seeing, like, the inside slopes of this thing meeting in the middle. And, and all the, uh, all the, like, the balconies... Because, uh, like, the rooms are all there, right? So, like, all the, the overlooked balconies yeah. are are tiered, kind of like um, uh, like you're underneath the bleachers or something. I guess that's, like, the most... Yeah, I think that, that's, that's the probably best way, the best way to talk about it. Yeah, I think that's the best way to describe it without being, like, an architect or without knowing words that are uh, good to use in situation like this one. My biggest memory of that place is when they painted a giant hole in it when they were filming Armageddon. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Man, uh, that <laughs> It was both ad space for Armageddon and, like, the biggest waste of movie money I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Man. Whew. The, when they use... There's, oh, that's going to put me in a whole other tangent about the... The, pageant, the movie Armageddon. The pageantry of, of movies. The lost art of uh, ad- If you want to hear about that, listen to the previous 120 episodes <laughs> of Power Playthrough. For reference, see our entire <laughs> yes. body of work. <laughs> but yeah, man, well, like there's shit like that. The, the Luxor is just eye-catching and a fucking, like, that's a madman's dream. To make a hotel out of the Luxor, like like make a hotel out of the pyramid shape, and the way those rooms are, scary as shit. If you have fear of heights, like for real, just go in there and look straight up. If you have fear of heights, your fucking your heels will start to tickle. It's it's scary. And I'm afraid of I'm afraid of heights, but I feel very at home in that place. Uh, my fear, I did work yeah. for a company that was there for a long time before I moved with them for mm-hmm. a few times. Mm-hmm. So the you Luxor did. is kind of just old news to me. Yeah. So, but all that being said, the, or not being said well, but all that being said, I could absolutely get with that to think that there was something like a pyramidus being hidden there because of... Yeah, it's a cover for a well, real-life Gold yeah. Ranger. Well, I mean, how many fucking times... Like, 
there is few things I, I think I'll, I'm comfortable saying there's few things as ominous as a pyramid just showing up in your city. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like if a pyramid comes around, usually something like you know, just overnight too. Yeah, <laughs> usually. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, something comes around like that. A pyramid, a pyramid usually contains something pretty fucking ominous, either with inside it or it'll shoot it out. You know, all kinds of things. Take your pick. You know, we're back. Dinosaur, dinosaur story. Uh, um, Stargate. Uh, fucking the mummy. You know, like all, all. Wait, I don't think there was actually any pyramids in the mummy, except for like the actual. In the Scorpion pe- King, maybe. In the Scorpion King, maybe. But yeah. Pyramids are pretty fucking ominous. When one just, like, drops in your town, it's kind of scary. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Um, inside this pyramid, uh, the children are awakened, and we meet the golden boy, Ricky, and a little girl priestess named uh, Doran. Yes. And back at Woe Base... All alarms are going off, and the team is preparing for battle. Chief pulls the team aside, and he gives them what I call the Ricky Rundown. And he shows the O-Rangers, like, ancient cave paintings showing Ricky, Doran, and the Lizard Paku. And he explains that Doran's people, the aptly named Doran, were... How, how lazy is that shit? Yeah, Her name is Doran, of the Doran. Isn't there, isn't there like one R in Doran and two R's in Doran? In, yes. In the that race? Is, that is, the Doran, she is D-O-R-I-N. Okay. And the people are D-O-R-R-I-N. It's, okay. And what we find out is that the Doran were a pre-ancient people. They're older than ancient. And they were said to be the messengers of God, and they were killed by the machine beasts. Yeah, they're rever- that. Yeah, they were revered as this kind of like the connection to the celestials or whatever, whatever you want to call them. Yes, and uh, the humans that grew up alongside them, which is what Ricky is, were the pre our pre ancient people that built the machine beasts as their servants. The O-Rangers' minds are blown to know that we created robots. And that they eventually started an uprising and destroyed the majority of the Doran people. Yeah, I like how I like how Chief was going to say, well, when they asked him, it was like, what wiped them out? He was like, well, going by my research, it was machine beasts. And then it just everyone, just we, we get a... Like a shocked face uh, shot from everyone yeah. uh, regarding this. And it's just like. And this is something I'm surprised Goro didn't know. Yeah. Because Goro had been around. Yeah. He but, could he could have not had this level, you know, until he became. Maybe. We don't know how, how long he's been uh, Oranger Red. Right? Because yes. we, yeah. like, we just get into the we get into the show and he's Oranger Red. We don't know how well, long he's been it, right? We know that he hadn't been it long because he could only be in the suit for a few minutes before it drained all of his energy. Now he can be in the suit as long as he wants. Yes. Um, so he's been in there long enough for him to acclimate himself. Yeah. 
yeah, he's built up the stamina needed to wear the O-Ranger yeah. uniform. And for the rest of the O-Rangers, they just good. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, I remember them talking about that. It's like, it's extremely, we, we actually pointed that out, and we, we liked that little kind of feature of it, is that it's yeah. extremely tiring for the human body, because this is a lot of power you're channeling. I mean, your muscles must be, like, you know, juiced up, you know, your, your brain, your, like, uh, wrist your perception is enhanced, you know, your synapses are firing off faster, reflexes are crazy. I can imagine afterwards, you're, you're like, torn the fuck up. So that's a good little, I like that, I like that a lot. But the Rangers, it seemed like it took them maybe, like, a week or two to get acclimated to it. So we can, like, say that maybe, maybe Goro hasn't been at this level of access of information for a while, and this kind of stuff has been withheld from him for, withheld from him for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Um, before the Doran were all killed, the pre-ancient people decided to send the champion of their war, Ricky, and the last remaining Doran, Doran, into space in hypersleep because they knew that it would take 600 million years for the Baranoia Empire to rebuild and come back for their revenge. That's a very specific number. They're like, it'll take at least 600 million years. There's not going to be a single advance in technology, anything. <laughs> Assuming technology stays exactly the same. Yes. 600 million years. I don't... <laughs> I don't know the over-under on that. On... On, um, on the odds of uh, technology not moving at all between that time. It seems like uh, it seems like a lot can happen in six hundred million years. Yeah, I mean, like after ten thousand years, Rita was freed. Yeah. So that's a fuck ton of Ritas. Yeah. yeah. When we return to this pyramid ship, Ricky and Doran are looking upon the Earth that they've returned to, and Ricky loses it a bit seeing how much has changed since he went to sleep. Yeah, because obviously they didn't account for technological changes. Sanyo is everywhere. They're the new god of the humans, Sanyo. Just <laughs> just everywhere. <laughs> on on their on their tallest buildings, their tallest structures. Yes. <laughs> Before he decides to leave the ship, uh the sage child Doran bestows upon Ricky the King Re Ranger's signature weapon, the King Stick. He doesn't receive its name yet, but we know. It's yeah, it's an yeah. old show, guys. Yeah, it came yeah. out in 95. You know. <laughs> uh, as Ricky ventures out into the world to see what's going on, he's really overwhelmed by 1990s Japan. He goes to an amusement park, like, first thing. It is, right? it is, yeah, like, he, he... So he runs out of, like, the little office square that they're, like, the business plasma that the pyramid landed in. Yes. He runs from that, front flips off, like, the nearest ledge and lands in a fully lit like nighttime Japanese carnival. Yes. You know? So he's immediately thrusted into the neon madness of this current day of age. Immediately accosted by three clown rejects inspired by Raphael's disguise in the 1990s tin Tinger Nerdles? You were gonna say Tinger Nerdles. Yeah, I was <laughs> He's immediately accosted by
by three clown rejects, inspired by Raphael's disguise in the 1990s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, yeah. which is currently on Netflix. I don't know if you've watched it yes. since it's popped up on there, Alfredo. Yeah, it's it, like, I don't want to say every night, but, you know, like maybe every two nights, that's what I fall asleep to. It's been in my constant rotation. Yeah, it's just there, man. It's easy. You put it on. It doesn't matter what you're fucking doing. Just put it on. See, the issue is, is that I have to watch that movie. That's as soon as it's on. I can't go to sleep to it. I have to watch. I it. can fall asleep to it, but that's just kind of my thing. I put on something nostalgic, and I'm out. Like I'll put on something from my childhood that's ingrained in my childhood, and I'm fucking out. I fall asleep listening to a podcast about breakfast cereal. See, that's a different kind of you know. That's like it's just that's how you get your comfort, and I totally get that. And that's how I get my comfort. Is like. The only thing that would make it, like, the most, um, the only thing that would make it, like, a super sedative for me is if before the movie started, it played the advertisements that were before it on the VHS, then that would knock me the fuck out. Like, really? I still hear those Fruit of the Loom commercials, and I still hear the Hanes commercials. The ones that were, like, vague threats, or not even vague threats, they're just threats, <laughs> Wait, did we get our hands on you? Like that's a cute like play on words, but it's like, like it's it's it's. I think uh, about the BK Kids Club commercial. Well, the BK a lot. Kids Club commercial, the the one where the the because on Ninja Turtles one, I believe it was that, and he was there was like the artist. On, I think about on the a draft artist, board, right? Yeah, drawing Kid Vid and Wheels. Kid Vid takes his fucking burger. Yeah. Takes his fucking. I think he has a Whomper on there, and Kid Vid wheels the rest of the crew. They take off with it, and the guy, yeah, the guy is left bamboozled. Yeah, they yeah. took his burger and his drink. I think he reaches they in. They left and takes, the fries. I think he reaches in to take it back. I feel like that happens. I don't know. Yeah, but it's something it's, like that. It, but like, man, like that's oh, that instant, commercial makes me feel warm inside. Yeah, instantly I am calmed. Instantly. Yeah, Ninja Turtles two. That VHS, it had the it had the movie um, trailer for girls don't good girls don't get even or good girls don't cry they get even or girls don't cry they get even something like that. And it had like an ensemble cast, but um, like in there it had <laughs> uh, Soup Dragons. You remember that 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 uh that chart topping band from the nineties had Soup nope. Dragons. <laughs> I'm free playing in it. And it was, like, perfectly, like, hey, like, put on that fucking trailer. I'm out, dude. Hmm. That should, that should be, I feel like that should be something that's more capitalized on. Because there's a, there's a couple of YouTube channels I follow where all they do, all they dedicate their life to is just putting these commercials on YouTube. They just put, like, hour-long compilations, and they split them up by decades and genres and stuff like that. And sometimes, I'll just put that out if I'm having a real hard time. I'll, I'll just put that on if I'm having a real hard time passing out. Hmm. All and right. if you're like that, well, you just got a resource. You just got you got something from the PP Boys right there. Go on YouTube, just look up, like, 90s toy commercial mix. Send uh, me a link to their YouTube page, Freddy. And I'll put it in the I'll put it in the notes okay. for this episode. All right, you got it. And you can get it in your notes for this episode wherever you listen to it. Yeah. Well, 
these three clown rejects, they melt into their trench coats and they reveal themselves to be Barlow soldiers. Ricky goes full strength beast mode on these and only after he murders his attackers does he realize that they were fucking machines. He, what would have happened ooh. if they exploded into guts? He put his he put his foot on the chest of one so hard and he and he screamed and he pressed down like he expected to feel rib cage, sternum and heart pop under his heel. Like <laughs> what are you at, at I, the I, same time like what is all he sees are bright lights and machines moving. Yeah. Maybe he thinks that this is a world where the machines took over. Yeah. And the first thing he meets are three machines. And he's like, oh, man, what is this world? Yeah. Did was 600 million years too long. So, one, yeah, once he presses down, once he stomps the shit out of that last one and inside, he doesn't find viscera, but a like cogs. A cogs. Yeah, just a mechanism of whirly gigs. And now he's, like, thrown into this huge paranoia. Machines are here. Yeah. Well, next we cut to Bacchus Wrath, who's running through his moon garden looking for a humanoid beast tamer named Keris. Yeah, it's in a... Her... It's Go like, ahead. It's like a... It has a name. It's like the paranoia, like, zoological and... <sighs> See... I was calling it her Machine Beast Wildlife Park. Yeah, I mean that works. That 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 gets it. That like that that, that covers the bases, so. Yeah, and Run she's looking after a bunch of weird beasts behind bars, but we're only introduced to one, whose name is Barra Goblin. So can we before we um talk about Barra Goblin, so so this mistress of the menagerie, you recognize who that actress is, right? Well, yes. If you don't recognize her, uh, she is played by Akiki Amatsuri. And if you don't remember her, she was the evil Gorma Lieutenant Gara in Gosei Sentai Die Ranger. Yeah, we got one of the Triumvirate in there. That was yes. really cool. Definitely. And when, when Bacchus Wrath finds her, he lets her know that the time has come and that Ricky has returned. And after 600 million years, that her time has come to start to bring the heat. And as the music swells, we cut to a commercial. The O-Ranger have pulled up on their Jetter machines, and they decide to split up into two teams to find Ricky. The heavy team, which is Goro and Shohei, go in one direction following Takopas that they saw. And then the other team that I call Team Cutie. Yeah. Jury, Yuji, and Momo. <laughs> yes, they're all drop-dead gorgeous. So Yeah. They head in the other direction. So we see Doran outside the now... Now, the pyramid, when it landed, it just landed in the skyline, right? It looked like the Luxor. It looked like a shadowy pyramid yeah. building. But they decided to shrink it down into a much smaller and mirrored pyramid that's, that's just in the middle of a park. That's kind of just something that happens during this time of film and uh, TV. You have, like a, yeah. space, you have like, a, like a spacecraft, you hide it in mm -hmm. plain sight. If you can shrink it down, you shrink it down, and you hide it in plain sight. Like, look so at, now it happens in everything. Now it's corporate art. Yes, now it's corporate art. So, Doran is standing outside of this pyramid, holding her lizard Paku, who is just an adorable, like paper mache dinosaur. 
Mm-hmm. And he got a fat old salamander tail. Yeah, and he's got a big old tongue hanging out. <laughs> it's pretty cute. Uh, Paku wriggles his way out of her arms and takes off. Doran starts to chase Paku. Because he's an invasive and, species, and he's going to ruin the ecosystem. <laughs> well, he's pre-ancient. He's been a, he's been in that ship 600 million years with yeah. them. So well, yeah, he's just and home. His, his, like, the predators of his time are now gone, unless they're like crocodiles or sharks. So now he's the predator of his yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, nothing can stop him. <laughs> nothing, nothing can stop him now. He is going to destroy the food chain. Thus, the this, this is why Dorn, of Godzilla. This is why Dorn is so frantic to catch him. Yes, all this happens, and Team Cutie comes onto the scene, and they notice the now very small pyramid, and then Momo sees this little priestess running into the forest. So, they start to chase her. We get to see a really cute shot of Paku's little paper mache tail digging in the bushes, and yeah. Doran not paying attention to anything yeah, he's a little going on around her, just follows her little green friend into the dark forest. He is a little green scam. And as of right now, he's my favorite character. I like him. Yeah, I like him. Like, he's limited, right? He's limited as an effect, but I love him. Yeah, I'd like him more if he said his name, just like a Pokemon. If he just walked around going, Paku, Paku, Paku. <laughs> that would give me comfort. If yeah, he spoke I would... his name. But that's it. No other words. Did you see the Pokemon movie where Pikachu spoke English? Yeah, I saw that. At the end? I I will not see it. No, that was off-putting, man. That was I'm really not off-putting. Let... Pikachu's not speaking English in my world. You can you can have Mewtwo talk because he's a fucking super being. You can have Meowth talk because, hey, we need some funnies. Hey, listen. Don't you make if... Pikachu talk. And I was fine with it in Detective Pikachu. Yeah. Tech, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. But Ash's Pikachu doesn't get to talk. No. That's not happening. Uh, at a shipyard, we come back to the heavies, who see Ricky standing on the bow of a ship, just kind of looking over this foreign world. Mm-hmm. The boys are like, let's go see our man. He's really Encino Manning right now, you know? Yeah. He's like, he's, it's... He's out in this new world, has no idea what's going on. He's not, you know, he's not in beautiful Encino, California, though. Instead, he is in Kyoto, Japan, and he is surrounded by all these TV brands and, yes. and machines nonstop. And, and, and he comes from a he comes from a time where machines were the threat. That he's that just killed. he's seeing signs for SoftBank everywhere, and he's <laughs> yeah. like, "How could a bank be soft?" Yeah. Well, the boys board the ship, and Ricky just jumps into it action, taking their appearance as a threat to him. Yeah, this is like the last, you know, the last people he interacted with, machines. Immediately were machines. These people also dress equally weird, probably machines. Yeah. Everyone's machine until stepped on and proven uh, otherwise. Until until they gush. Yeah. (laughs) If he encounters a, gr- a group of people, one of them he's got to pop open. And that will determine his plan of action from then on with that group of people. Yes. Uh, before the battle gets out of hand, Papagoro puts the boy in a headlock. And he and Shohei explain that they're on the same side. 
Ricky cocks his head and kind of looks at them strange as the Baranoias step in. Now, the smartest move is that Goro and Shohei quickly enter into their red and green ranger forms and begin begin the battle showing Ricky that they have access to Choriki. And not long after this battle begins, Bacchus Wrath makes an appearance and lets Ricky know that he has a 600 million year old debt to repay and that the time has come to pay for the destruction of the previous empire. The O-Ranger turn around and fire their blasters at the Emperor, only to find out that it was a hologram and not the real thing. After they get over it, the three get to work fighting a small army of Barlow soldiers. You got anything? No, I had something to say when... But he hasn't gotten to that part yet, where I was going to talk about Bakit's Wrath and um, him explaining their history. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, that's way later. Yeah, yeah. This point, it was kind of just like, you know, some, some you know, you some Sentai do- shit. Yeah. You, got, you got a debt to pay, boy, and I'm here to collect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, some, it's, it's some Sentai shit going on. Like, we have our two um, set pieces. We have the forest, and we have this dockyard, and, you know, what's going on. Uh, it sets up uh, their more of the connection of the uh, the Doran and their guardians, how it works, like that. A, a little bit, not much, though. But in a beautiful field, Team Cutie watches as Doran finds and catches Paku. Unfortunately, she's attacked by the beast tamer Karis. Karis seems to have some kind of deep-seated hatred for Doran, which I really don't understand. Her character is written and played like she's a survivor of the before war. And before you come at us on Twitter saying, hey, it's a kid show. Don't take the continuity into <laughs> into like any kind of effect. If you think if you think it, we, we you th- if you think we weren't going to do that and have a podcast, you're sorely yeah. fucking mistaken. It'll be very plainly stated in a later scene that Bacchus Wrath is the only survivor of the war, and he single-handedly rebuilt the Baranoia. So this is kind of, like, weird, because this is unexpected, and I really like it, and it kind of builds up some sympathy for for them, for the Baranoia Empire, because it's like, yeah, they rebelled against the people, and they wiped out a race of people, but they rebelled because they were slaves. And clearly, something fell through with the discussions, you know, for this to happen. We don't know the whole yeah. story, but the tidbits we have so so far are doing a good job of putting sympathy on both sides. I and, assume it's similar to the plot of iRobot. I've never seen iRobot. <laughs> so, but you're, you're, you're feeling confident enough to put that put that down that's a, a similar plot to irobot yeah i'm feeling confident enough to say it on this recording which will be on the internet forever that it's very similar to the plot of irobot yeah yeah it's just, so to hear bacchus rap saying like it took me this long you know to build you know to build everyone back up to have you know his people again you know so it's first it's, thing i did was build me i built me a woman in riding pants and, and then i, I built, built me, me a wife <laughs> And I built me. And a, I built myself a fat goblin <laughs> child. <laughs> yeah, that way he can never surpass me. Look at him. Yeah, I'll never feel impotent in respect to him because he's a, yeah. he's a fat little robot. Yeah. 
I'll never have a crisis where my son has a bigger dick than me because I made sure it wasn't. Because I built that dick. <laughs> I built that dick real fucking small. With my own hands. Yeah. <laughs> I had my hands all over that dick. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's making a lot of sense. Uh, I was about to say I had my hands all over that. Nope. Not putting that in the file for, for no? Dan. You don't want that? I no, because I thought I had my hands all over that dick. Yeah, but I was going to say, oh, fuck it. I'll just say it. I had my hands all over that child robot dick. Oh, uh, yeah, that's fine. Okay. You added the word robot in there? I almost put robot before child dick, which would have been a no-no. Yeah, because I could cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah anyway it makes a lot of sense now when you look at his wife and you look at his son and you look at like the people with him it's like oh he built the, like if he built all these guys this is why they kind of fucking look like this this is yeah. all from his own mind built himself a curvy ass wife built himself mm-hmm. a fat little son he has mm-hmm. a he has the most like you know he he built himself a perfectly uh a perfectly What's the word I'm like? Um, not frilly, not. Uh, he built himself like a picturesque, like butler. You know, like he yeah. he's it all makes sense. It all makes sense that that Bacchus did all of this, and it really it really fits, and I like it. And I like like I said, I like that there's some sympathy there. Yes, Bacchus is a horrible dickhead, but this guy has been by himself for millions of years. He only... well, we are getting very far ahead of ourselves here. <laughs> as soon as Kara shows up, she's brought Barlow soldiers and Barra Goblin with her. So she decides to distract Yuji, Jerry, and Momo with the Barlow soldiers. Karis, who hasn't revealed Goblin yet as one of her plans, decides to attack Doran with her laser whip. And Doran cries out in pain. And that's the moment where we learn that her and Ricky have a psychic link. And Ricky drops everything in his current battle to go save his partner. Yes. A little insight on how the Guardians and the, the Doran are paired, maybe. Yeah, well... As far as the story that we've received about the 600 million year war, year old war, is that Ricky was the only Choriki warrior of that time. So, as the champion of the war, I guess they had to mentally tie him to the last living Doran. Yeah, I could see that. That'd be, that'd make sense, yeah. Well... We cut completely back to the forest when Team Cutie, Henshins, and Barra Goblin is summoned to essentially make light work of blue, pink, and yellow. Yeah, Barra Goblin has a really cool design. Yeah, he it looks like all of the clay that was left over from designing other suits was thrown in a pile, and then they gave it a face. Yeah, then they gave him, like, uh, is it Ifrit or Behamet from uh, Final Fantasy I'm thinking of for his face? Yes. You're thinking of Ifrit. Bahamut's a dragon. Ifrit, yeah, he's got like if he's got Ifrit's kind of face going on, or he kind of also has Zod from Berserk, his demon form. Yeah, yeah, it looks really cool. So the three use their signature weapons and their Hisats techniques to try to take him down, but everything seems to just glance off of his descended belly, and the team and Doran try to escape 
but Baragoblin keeps pursuing them, where we cut to Karis, who's just standing on this hill in her riding pants and butterflies flapping all around her like she's the least threatening person ever. <laughs> Yet, she's probably the most threatening villain we've seen. Yeah. And oh. <laughs> she states that uh, to no one but us, the audience, that Baragoblin has never lost prey. This is what were you going to say? I just want to ask, speaking of the laser whip, did the laser whip from Johnny Mnemonic scare you as a child? I don't know if I've... I you don't know, know if, if I saw it as a child. Oh, you don't know if you've seen it as a child. I saw it as a child because I saw a lot of things as a child because it just, you know, had cable TV and no supervision. But that laser whip scared the fucking shit out of me. I never wanted that to be real. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff I wasn't allowed to watch. I wasn't allowed to watch Speed as a child. Was I don't it, know why. Yeah, I was like, what's the reasoning behind that? Just so you don't know about ter- th- terrorist attacks? or Maybe it was the elevator scene. Oh, uh, maybe. Uh, I think it's because I got scared watching Batman when I was, like, four. Yeah. Uh... But, you know, I was, like, four, so I got scared of everything. Yeah, yeah, and it's like it's a Tim Burton film. Yeah. If you're, like, in that, you're, like, if you're, like, four to six years old, you know, you're going to be scared of it. There's going to be some kind of dark imagery, because, you know, that's Joker got thrown into acid, and then I was constantly worried about getting thrown into acid. Did you? (laughs) Like, that was a, like, that was something that was going to happen to me at some point in my life. Like, I was going to be standing on a catwalk above a big-ass vat of acid. But, no, that's... (laughs) That's, all those kind of scenarios were perpetuated by the things we watched as a kid. You know, the fucking um, sinking sand, you know? Uh, oh, yeah. sand. I thought was going to be a much bigger part of my life. Uh, tar pits, uh, uh, volcanoes, all this shit. All this yeah. shit we just thought was out there. You know, was like, the movie where a volcano erupts in Los Angeles, was that just called Volcano? Yes. I believe yeah, so. I was... Because the, 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 the other film... Uh, which I still don't know the term for when there's a pair of films that just by coincidence release uh, was Dante's Peak. Yes. Yeah, but the movie Volcano made me very worried about coming into touch with lava. I'm sure I've talked about that on the podcast before. Yeah. Because I feel like I have. We absolutely have. I think we talked about the whole Grandma and the Acid Lake thing from Dante's Peak. Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, we did talk about that. And then we talked directly about the volcanic uh <laughs> we talked like the guy in the subway falling into vul- into into the lava yeah and he just melts yeah, yeah we've definitely we've definitely had this exact conversation <laughs> on the podcast well uh welcome to the uh, newcomers <laughs> uh yes <laughs> again if you would like more of this please see the entirety of our body of work our our back catalog 120 yeah. episodes um <laughs> If you want more in-depth, <laughs> if you, if you want more in w- details about Grandma on the Acid Lake, refer to our I catalog. Think, I, I think we legit did like 35 minutes on the Acid Lake. <laughs> like that's not, a, that's not a joke. We might um, have. They may have only got eight minutes of it, whatever you, you thought they could stomach. But there's a, that, that might have been when my editing process was to lay on the floor and just listen for something that would get us canceled. Yeah. Uh that was coming towards towards the end of the process. Yeah, uh, of me laying face down on the floor with my eyes closed, just listening to hear if something terrible was said. Yeah. Um, 
Meanwhile, <laughs> all of this is they're they're getting chased down by Barry Goblin. Red and Green and Ricky are running on the side of the highway towards the forest to try and get to Doran, all while taking a bunch of cover fire from the Taco Puzz. I haven't really explained what the Taco Puzz are. It's been six months since we've done an episode. I don't know if you're watching O Ranger, but they're the big octopus ships. Yeah. Yes. There you go. On the moon, Emperor Bacchus Wrath, Queen Hysteria, and Prince Boldone are all standing around in a Baranoia factory as the Emperor gives his backstory, which we've already gone into depth about, about the old roar, him being the sole survivor, and that he's going to kill Ricky for his past transgressions against the machine beasts. Yeah, so now we have some background. When that motherfucker said earlier, that was such a cold-ass line about the Great Silence. Ooh. Yeah. It's got some meaning. It got you, like you got some, uh, got some more weight behind it now. Like he just he's gonna leave one human alive to rebuild the human <laughs> yeah. empire, yeah. which will be completely impossible. Yeah, it'll be a bunch of bones, and he's like, "Have fun, <laughs> build yourself a, a wife and a fat kid." I don't know how you procreate. <laughs> do you do it like me? Do you just build them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, Bacchus Wrath has this, like, bird camera that watches over stuff, and then it decides to take off towards Earth. When we cut back to the obligatory quarry scene, Barra Goblin is raking Team Cutie over, and Doran over the coals. Yeah. Karis orders her pet to kill them, and Doran starts desperately calling for Ricky's help. And he and the other two O-Ranger are, like, running falling over the side of a mountain while taking fire from the Takaba. Yeah, this is some brilliant stunt work by the way. Cuz they're just run- yeah. they're running on the very cusp of like a pretty steep hill and then they just yes. they, they just go over it and the camera kind of like follows them, like just tilts over to fo- to follow them and then we get a shot from the other side of them like coming down this this hill of gravel. Really I kind of really like intense. The, I kind of like the difference that's happening there too where they know that the suit actors for Goro and Shohei are completely covered so they're like throw your asses over the mountain Yeah, (laughs) and whoever the stunt actor for Ricky is they're like yeah we see you wearing the shorts don't throw yourself down a mountain yeah try and run run run. yeah (laughs) a little bit because they they know if yeah god he is he's like completely his his shorts go about like six inches above his knees his uh, he barely has sleeves on. His neck is exposed. If he hits that gravel, he just becomes like a giant scab. Yeah, he's gonna get cut up. So they're like, just run. And he was also wearing sandals, so I don't know how his feet looked. <laughs> yeah, just do your best. But... <laughs> yeah, you don't have to take a bump. If you if you can help it, you know. If you take a bump, well, we're gonna shoot it anyway. But you know. Yeah, one take. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> When Ricky gets to the bottom of the mountains, we get a straightforward shot of him running towards the cam- camera, screaming Doran's name as we see the words to be continued come across the screen. Yeah. And we roll to credits. Not bad. This w- this is a very strong character introduction. Yeah, not bad. Because not bad. this is, for a first outing, we've learned four different uh, four different facts about him which took us probably about 15 episodes 
to get two facts about each O-Ranger. Yeah. Right? So the next episode preview comes in and tells us that he's our sixth hero. We knew that. He had the king stick. We're also all people that exist in the age of the internet when a show from 1995 gets a DVD release. <laughs> yeah. Um, this episode, like you were saying, it d- drops a lot on us as far as like who these characters are and also drops a lot on us as far as like previous existing characters. So we now know a lot about Bacchus Raff and his whole motivation, which from, you know, my standpoint is like understandable now. You know, like, oh. Yeah. Yes. But because of this explanation, I feel like Bacchus Wrath is going to die in a few episodes. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've watched too much anime in my lifetime to learn that much backstory about one character in one episode to think that he's going to survive the next six episodes. Yeah, you, you see them on their way out. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's very We're possible. starting to feel. We're starting to feel sympathy for Bacchus Wrath so that when he's taken from us and whatever fills his slot comes in, that we don't have. Like that we, any loose ends. We don't have any. We don't have any loose ends, but we already have sympathy for whoever is filling the spot because we know that. The emperor has fallen, hmm. right? Yeah. I'm look, so look forward to whatever is going to happen. Um, yeah, solid episode. As uh, as uh, previous listeners would uh, tell you, uh, we have been kind of like lukewarm on a good chunk of this series so far, just because it seems to be all you know Thunderbirds go. It's like all henchin and not really a whole lot of. Uh, character development or character spotlights or features and when they happen we're overjoyed you can tell you know we are, we're just like elated to talk about that episode you know but um more of this is just fine listen we have been marks for the gold ranger since before the beginning of this show and this is the introduction of the gold ranger you're not going to hear complaints from me about <laughs> the gold ranger yeah or King Ranger, whatever we want to call him. Like, sorry, the suit is just too sick. The weapon is just too incredible. Pyramidus is a beast mm-hmm. of a mech. Mm-hmm. There is nothing that you can tell me that is going to have me talk shit about the Gold Ranger. Yeah, I feel like if Zeo was somehow like our first Power Ranger season, like, mm-hmm. you know, Gold Ranger would have been what the Green Ranger is now, you know. And and there's so much like, more substance to the Gold Ranger, sad to say. But like going through it, Zoo Ranger. Uh when we got our sixth hero, Green Ranger, Green Ranger was every kid of our age's shit. Yeah. Nothing was gonna hurt the Green Ranger's image except for rewatching Power Rangers. <laughs> that was the only thing that was gonna hurt the Green Ranger's image. Yeah. Uh the White Ranger, sorry, I was soured on Tommy. When I was a kid, the White Ranger, again, my shit. Yeah. White Ranger sucks. Uh, it's, it's, was his name Co? Yeah, Co. <laughs> yeah. Co, I can't remember his name. Yeah. Co 
fucking blows. Yeah. We had... They use so little of season three stuff, and they use so little Cocker Ranger in series three of Power Rangers that Cocker Ranger was incredible. Yeah. And Ninjor, always loved him. Ninja Man, just as cool. That's There that, is that's no the touching score. the Gold Ranger. That is the score the, right now. And yes, spoiler alert, Gold Ranger is fucking boss. Gold Ranger. Yeah. Like, talk about an aesthetic that just... Just, man, just stop fucking digging. You struck oil. And let me tell you, I don't give a fuck about Trey of Triforia. Yeah. He was a placeholder until Jason stepped in. I mean, it's just a, it's, it's, it's just perfect. It is He's got perfect. my man Brad Hawkins' voice. Yeah. And you know what? Always love a little bit of Brad in my life. Yeah, that's true. It's very true. Yeah. But he was just a placeholder until the real leader of the Power Rangers got to come back. Exciting, man. We're at, we're at, yeah. we're at it. We're at it now. Yeah. You, once we get into the power of gold and things like that in Power Rangers, sorry, you're not going to hear me talking too much shit because the Gold Ranger's around. I still don't like Tommy, even though we're probably at the best Tommy pre-Dino Thunder. Yeah, yeah. That will give that I will give that to Tommy for sure. Um, yeah, Tommy had only went up and up and up because uh, Redzio. Um, so far, like man, it's been a while since we talked about it, but like so far, he's uh, he hasn't had much of a spotlight in this. But that's not bad because you know we're like we we were so we were suffering from like a Tommy overexposure. For so long yeah and to have a little drought of it was fine and then you know like i believe and the then, last episodes we were talking about was some tommy features with his brother yeah yeah but we also had temacula and we you know <laughs> you got a temacula lot of, does a lot for me <laughs> you get a lot of credit from being temacula yeah. <laughs> yeah temacula does a lot for me so i'm like i'm ready for some some more tommy but that all aside tommy did just get better and better he did he started real low and he kind of stayed there for, you know, God, a and, lot of episodes. <laughs> and other than Turbo, a Power Rangers movie, I don't have much of a memory of Tommy's character in Turbo. I think he had a real good... I think he had, like, a respectable send-off, like how it happened. But yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll see when we get there. Yeah, we'll see when we get there. I don't remember it, but I can tell you right now that I'm not mad about the Tommy that exists in Zeo. Yeah. I don't think he's a good leader. Sorry. Uh, but character-wise, he's fine. Yeah. But I think that's where we're going to... We're going to move into the end right here. Thank you so much for listening to our show. We will return to bringing you new episodes every Monday and Thursday on your fi- favorite podcatcher, and we're on all of them. You can find us on Twitter, at PPlaythrough, and on Instagram, at PowerPlaythrough. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at McNernia, but more importantly, you can find me on twitch.tv slash McNernia five days a week playing only the best games. Freddie, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at Chief Robert on Twitter. Uh, you can also just find me on Facebook if you want to add me. I don't care. You're just going to see a lot of Kurger being memes. It's uh, like, honestly, I only ha- I only got a Facebook to promote the Power Playthrough page. Yeah. And I don't know why my 
Facebook notifies me of all your posts, but all I see are your posts. All I see are your memes. Yeah. All day. That's that's all that's all I try to do, man. I just try to I just try to get people laugh, try to try to bring them some joy. <laughs> uh, with via uh bees, triggers and dogs. So if you want to check that out, you know, I'm on Facebook. Just look for me by my name. I'm there. Uh check me like and I also throw some memes towards the power playthrough uh, Facebook as well. But yeah, at Twitter, Chief Robert, you'll see some musings of me now and then, retweeting stuff I want to promote, all that. And if you want to DM me, I don't care. Go for it. That sounds unenthusiastic. That's not what it's meant to sound like. It's me- it meant to sound like chill, you know? Go ahead. DM me. That's fine. <laughs> you know what's funny is you're kind of giving off... I know you haven't listened to it. You're giving off the big E energy of the... <laughs> From the New Day podcast, yeah, I'd definitely be in the Big E section if if uh, if a New Day situation was to be um, an analog was to be made. Uh, that's definitely my role, for sure. Yes, for sure, for sure. And if you liked our intro done by the wonderful Rainer, local Las Vegas legends, uh, check them out at rainer.bandcamp.com. You can pick up a couple of their albums, Scenery, Disasters, and Circles, all fantastic. You can pick up some merch from them. Also check out breakcheck.bandcamp.com, which is their side project, and who knows, maybe you'll hear something from them in the future. But it's, uh, it's, it's about half Rainer, you know? You got Danny and Rory on it, so if you like the, if you like the PP sound, you'll get half PP there. You get a P sound. You get a P sound, but it won't pop your mics. It'll just be pleasing in the ears. But go ahead well, and we ch- will... check that out. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't got anything else. <laughs> we will be reopening our Patreon soon, continuing our Big Bad Beetleborg series. Please stay on the lookout for that. Patreon.com slash Power Playthrough. It'll, it'll continue to be a look into the descent of madness fueled by these wild toku shows that we got in the 90s. And you're also... This this Dan doesn't even know about this, but you're gonna get, you're gonna get some new stuff there. Not just not just a, not just some show reviews. You're gonna be getting something else there. If you, but you know you gotta check it out once it's open. You know we're, hey. we're not gonna tell you until until the gates are open. You pay for it and you come on in. But you're only gonna have to pay five dollars because that's all it takes. Well, now I have a reason to pay $5 to join the Patreon because I don't know what it's going to be. Am I producing it? Yeah, of course. Oh, okay, okay. Am I on the show? Yeah, you're going to be on it. Oh, see, I thought you were going to grab somebody from the community and just do something with them, and I was like, okay, that's fine. No, no, I'm not that, like, I don't know what I would do uh, without you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you could record something, and I'll I produce could. it. I That's could. Reco- I could record something. Uh, we want to thank our ad sponsors. You can support this show by supporting them. Thank you to Shout Factory for making these episodes of Super Sentai available to us. Please support Licensed Toku by watching things over at Tokushoutsu. They're currently bringing us new Common Rider, which is absolutely incredible. We know that they don't have licenses to Super Sentai past Hurricaneer, and... To be honest, they probably won't get them, which means that we'll start be doing the illegal broadcast of this show after we get to Hurricaneer. But the only chance for us to bring future Sentai over through Shout Factory or other means is to support legal Toku here. So please do that. Did you know that a in our absence, another podcast started 
using our outro. What? Yeah. And, you know, I can't be mad at them because they've been doing it longer than us. Ranger Danger in their boom room, they decided to use May the Power Protect You. Oh. So we're going to be trying out some new things. I thought you meant that they put in um, an out-of-context line at the end of it after the music. Uh, A lot of people do that. Oh, well, I meant like, okay, well, fuck it. All my points are gone, so just just keep (laughs) whatever. Yeah, so we're going to be trying out some new sign-offs. So today it's for Power Playthrough. I'm Dan, and now you say I'm Freddy. I'm Freddy. We'll see you next time. This is. I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, it's been six months since we've yeah. done a podcast, so. Yeah.